Hello and welcome to episode number 67 of SoftSpot. I am Chelsea Hamishan, VP of Marketing and Events for the Global Soft Foundation, and SoftSpot is our podcast. Thank you for joining us. You may be able to tell that I'm a little bit under the weather. It is not COVID. It's just the fun germs that we have floating around Florida these days. So please bear with me if I sound a little nasally. As per usual, I have a couple foundation announcements to cover before we get into the meat of today's episode. If you're involved with the special ops community, you probably know that SOFIC just took place last month in Tampa. We at GlobalSoft had a small piece of that pie, hosting our 8th anniversary reception on the Monday of the week. We had just around 1,000 members of our network there with us, so a huge thank you to everyone that came out to celebrate 8 with us. Sophic was a great week for us. In addition to our anniversary, we had plenty of great meetings and reunions, and overall, it was just good to have so many members of the community together again. As for what we have coming up next, we were originally going to be having our Soft Imperatives Forum this month in D.C., but we had to cancel that for 2020 due to some changes to the congressional schedule that would have pretty much made it impossible to put on a quality event. We aren't here to waste anyone's time, so we're going to get that event back on the regular schedule, and it'll be on February 2023 in D.C. However, we do have big events coming up this fall. In October, we'll be in Budapest for our sixth Global Soft Symposium Europe, and in November, we're finally going to be back in Fort Bragg for a full Modern Warfare Week. That'll be the first one of those since 2019. Details on both events are online, and we have the links in our show notes, so please go check them out. Now on to today's episode, which is focused on military family building and fertility issues. Yes, that means we'll be talking a little bit about freezing sperm samples, but more importantly, we're talking about how big the family planning issue is in the soft community, how it's impacting retention and readiness, and what policy changes Congress needs to make to support our special ops families. Our experts today come from the Military Family Building Coalition, a nonprofit org that supports military members in building their families through ART, IVF, and adoption, and Legacy, a company that allows you to test, improve, and freeze your sperm from home. Military Family Building Coalition was co-founded by Ellen Gustafson and Katie Bell Hendrickson, two military spouses who personally know of the need to support military members in building their families. We are lucky enough to get both of them on today to share their stories. From Legacy, we have John Crowley, who heads up their military affairs branch at Legacy. So let's jump in to hear from these three experts about this issue and why it's so important that we support their efforts to change U.S. policy on military fertility options. And then if we want to break it down. Wow. The Global Soft Foundation. My immediate reaction was this is awesome. The special operations community. You have our support. Let's move. Welcome to SoftSpot. All right, so let's get started. We're going to go around and just have everyone sh- introduce yourselves and share your background and say what led you to be interested in infertility in the military and specifically in special operations, if you do have that special ops tie-in. Katie, why don't we get started with you? Oh, great. Um, you know what? I- I'm actually going to have Ellen start that piece. We we have a little bit of a tag team. Is it okay for us to bounce back and forth? Okay, go for it, Ellen. Well, thank you so much for having us. Um, as members of the special operations community, uh, we are super passionate about about talking about 
any and all things related to our world. I got interested in this work as a Navy spouse uh, in this Navy special warfare community and having gone through a family building challenge myself. My husband and I, um, on, on my side, via my side, inherited a genetic disorder that was actually unknown when we started to try to have children. And uh, after having a, a stillborn while my husband was deployed in a combat zone, uh, we embarked on a journey that was essentially directed by doctors to do IVF to try to avoid that genetic issue. And right after we got the medical advice to start doing IVF, uh, we, we were summarily denied any support from TRICARE because of the existing policy that says TRICARE does not cover non-coital reproductive assistance. And for me, as a, the spouse of a SEAL and as a member of this community that gets incredible amounts of support from the benevolence uh, community, I felt like, wow, what, what a big hole. Here we are trying to have a baby and, and there's there's kind of nothing there. So after um, essentially the journey that that took us to success in having our own three children uh, and the combination of ha having a, a lucky natural conception of a baby that didn't have the genetic disorder, solving the genetic disorder and then having twins um, after an understanding uh, how, to, how to sort of solve for it. We, uh, you know, I, I, I knew that once I sort of had my own success, I would immediately turn to trying to make sure no one else had to go through what I went through. And the timing was perfect um, because I met my co-founder, Katie Bell Hendrickson, at an event that she organized on base in one of the NSW focus centers in San Diego. And so, you know, that's, it, it was really a perfect marriage of my own, you know, success and then a really big, deep desire to say, I don't want anyone to ever have to go through this again. Um, yeah, that's a great introduction to really how Ellen and I looked at our, our roles in Naval Special Warfare. So I am a spouse to um, a flag officer, Brian Hendrickson. And similarly uh, to Ellen's journey, we also had our own journey and in building our family, have experience both with adoption. We have five kiddos, so adoption experience with three of our kids. And then um, like Ellen, IVF uh, with two of our children, twins as well. And we really you know, what resonated with us, and I say us because my husband was, you know, sort of the initial sort of, um, you know, gave me confidence that we could be talking about this from a leadership lens. And that's, that's where Ellen and I met and, and really, you know, grew and hatched the idea that, um, you know, we're not looking to, you know, think that everything comes through benevolence for our community, but there were, there were blatant, gaps and, and discrimination and, and how care was being um, made available or not being made available. And I think it was really at that time that, you know, we had both triumphed in our own family building and deep in the DNA um, within our own community was this desire to say, hey, you know, if we learned everything the hard way, how do we make this somewhat easier for the next um, warrior and spouse or family. So that, that was really where it started. I, you know, very typical to many nonprofits. You're, you're looking at co-founders that were challenged, were exceptionally challenged in all of this and decided to do something about it. Thank you. And then we also have John Crowley on the line. He is from a different, but also a symbiotically related organization, Legacy. Uh, John, would you uh, kindly give a little bit of your background and how you got involved in this? Sure. So my story is a little bit different. 
Um, I graduated from West Point in 2014 and actually served on the conventional side with the U.S. Army with the 82nd Airborne Division as a combat engineer. So not special operations, um, was not a father at the time, and I wasn't thinking about my fertility, which I think is actually part of the problem. Um, fast forward five years later, and I had the opportunity to attend graduate school at Harvard, where I took a class with the former Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter, who is especially innovative and science forward when it comes to Department of Defense programming during his time with the Obama administration. And I actually learned about a egg and, and, and sperm freezing program that he called for in 2016 as part of his Force of the Future program. And it went unfunded, unfortunately. And it was around that same time that I found out about Legacy, which is a relatively young startup, Harvard founded, um, and kind of put two and two together and said, there's an opportunity here to engage with the military community on this issue that was highlighted by the former Secretary of Defense and went unresolved and had an initial conversation and joined the company as head of military affairs in early 2020. And since that time, it's been fascinating because of the, the wonderful connections across the community, especially within special operations through partners like Military Family Building Coalition with Katie and Ellen, but also coming full circle and connecting the dots here at Harvard, where there's a really strong special operations community. In fact, I would say I'm probably in the minority as a conventional army veteran at Harvard. And in conversation with classmates, um, it's become very obvious that this is a really important and relevant issue. It comes up in conversation frequently, far more than I would have expected. And it's been a really educational and transformational experience and opportunity to make a positive difference in this space. Awesome. Thank you, John. Ellen and Katie, if you could talk a little bit more about the specifics of your organization's mission today. Sure. Yeah, I'll jump in. So here's the big picture. The, the barrier to military families receiving support, as we we all call it, you know, in, in any of these contexts, in family building. And again, we're talking about all things related to bringing children into your family, adoption, uh, advanced reproductive technology, you know, even the subtle support of, of saving and preserving sperm and eggs. So you can have a family later. All of those things are, are encompassed in in the concept of family building. And right now there is no care or coverage offered in the medical side of that challenge. And there is no real support other than a small uh, tax credit that's available to all Americans in uh, adoption and supporting adoption. So we're looking at amazing families that, that we're a part of and we know so well who are resilient and strong and just want to have babies. And right now there are explicit barriers to, to doing that. Our big picture goal as an organization, which is totally different than most other nonprofits you'll talk to, is actually to not exist anymore. We want to solve this problem and that, pro that the solutions come through policy. We want the American public to understand what's going on uh, for military families not able to access this care. We want to make moves so that Congress understands the issues and does something about it. And we want to not have to exist anymore. We, we recently did a survey with partners, Blue Star Families, and, and helped add and co-developed uh, an entire section on family building challenges for their annual military lifestyle survey. And the results were incredible. Across all military connected families, 67% reported family building challenges, 67% of military families. More interestingly was that half, 49% of active duty family respondents who had a service member assigned to or supporting uh, US SOCOM, Special Operations Command, indicated that the military created challenges 
and family building, half of them. So half of our community who responded to this survey said the military was a reason for family building challenges. And we understand it's things like deployments and op tempo and being physically separated and all these things. So as an organization, we set about to, to address all of those issues. We have four main areas of operation. One is to educate the American public, which we're so grateful to be on this podcast to help do that. Two is to educate service members, also very helpful, but to, to make sure people understand, look, this is a barrier by policy. The TRICARE policy says you cannot have non-coital reproductive assistance. That's where the barrier is. Number three is to offer services and, and support programs, which Katie will we'll talk a little bit about. And number four, is to advocate for change. And we do that by partnering both with organizations that are advocates like the American Society of Reproductive Medicine and Resolve, which is the National Infertility Association, and by partnering with other military support organizations of which we, we are proud partners of the SEAL Family Foundation, Blue Star Families, National Military Family Association, and many others. And we believe that through educating those organizations and helping their members understand you know, who we are, what we do, we really can reach a ton of new people who understand the problem and, and want to see it change. And so I'll let Katie talk a little bit more about what we're doing within the military to help support families today. One of the things that Ellen and I understood very clearly in our you know, lifestyles and, and embracing what it was to be um, members of Naval Special Warfare was an understanding of POTIF, and that's the preservation of the force and family. And so if you're understanding that concept of, of why supporting the warrior means supporting the family and why and, and how family is such a critical component of success. That's mission focus, it's readiness, it's all these factors. And we know we're unique in, in within our community for that kind of support. Um, there was just contradiction after contradiction when Ellen and I involved in a lot of mentoring uh, realized one, we weren't the only ones having this challenge. And two, this challenge isn't just impacting. And you know, of course in our community, majority of the active duty member is going to be the male. Um, you know, it's not just impacting the spouses who are are left with trying to to understand what what options they have, what resources, where can they get support, where where are their benefits or, or privileges in this area, but it's impacting the warrior. So, and and Ellen can really speak to that um, very specifically because for much of her family building uh, journey, her husband was constantly deploying. Yeah, thanks. So so we. We have two core offerings within the military community to service members. One to currently uh, naval special warfare, although we're definitely looking to expand that across the special operations community. We're calling it the Tadpole Project. Um, obviously, it's funny if you if you're in naval special warfare, but but also funny when you're talking about sperm with uh, a lot of young men, which of course is always very funny. The Tadpole Project is is is. Uh, a really simple but very important solution for members of special operations. It's preventing family building challenges from the male side, preserving sperm, the simple act of, of, of you know, early on in one's career, putting aside your sperm is, is hugely impactful when it comes down the line to both building your family if you need to, because you have really big challenges, 
or building your family in creative ways with a dual working spouse or different partners all over the, the dual military or, you know, any of these combinations of the reality of life today. Military families are not, you know, uh, perfectly set up to just trail around uh, out to training sites if it's the right time of the month. So I think, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that modern family building, which is the way most people are doing uh, things, you know, across the, the, the world these days is accessible to military families and cryopreservation really does help. So, you know, you don't have uh, any more spouses in our community feeling, oh my gosh, he's now left for six, seven months. And, and that was our, our, our one window to try to get pregnant. You know, you can continue doing that beyond the six or seven months. And of course, um, you know, the stress and, and the difficulty of thinking about family building um, is, is something that we, we really are very attuned to preventing. So, you know, using the lens of war fighting retention and readiness um, as to why we want to do this for, for men in the military is, is, of course, the front and center. But we also have developed a program for women. And we looked at uh, the special operations community as the most challenged community for men in the military when it comes to family building. And we wanted to find a corollary community for women. And what we found was that aviation and specifically naval aviation is probably the, the most challenging community for women when they're, when they're going about building their families. We did a survey of, of female naval aviators, of which there are around 750 out of 8,000 uh, aviators in general. And they, I mean, widely uh, claimed 190 of, of the women of the 750 claimed that Indeed, they had family building challenges and, and that they, they that was a reason that they were getting out. And so we've developed a program called the Aviatrix Project for Women in Aviation that gives them really high level reproductive navigation from a nurse to decide what is best for them and their family and their biology and their numbers. It's not always cryopreservation for women in the way that it can be for men. But we, we think between these two programs, we're really showcasing to the world that these two communities and then, of course, the military writ large need support in these areas and that by supporting military families in these areas, you get really great talent retention, you get better readiness and, and you get better, stronger military families. You know, when we recognized that there was obviously a, a disconnect between um, how the warrior was actually being supported um, in building something as important as a family, we 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 understood that we needed to to talk about this from the lens of war fighting. Uh, it would be great if we could simply say this, you know, becoming a parent is a life event and it's a, a, a very important life event. It's right up there with a life partner and, and perhaps pinning on, you know, that trident or whatever, you know, particular, um, you know, facet of soft you're working in. But those are really, really important pieces to the community. And yet, you know, we, we could, we could see that there was just no support. So we wanted to go about it very strategically. And we understood from the very beginning that the barriers had uh, an awful lot to do with um, the lack of resources to pay for care and coverage. And yet Ellen and I knew that standing up a nonprofit that simply tried to raise money to offset a financial barrier to the member was is a zero sum game. You might help a few people, but you're never going to solve the problem. And and we actually felt very empowered by understanding where um, there was the ability to change this. It, it was not low hanging fruit. However, it, it really meant 
you know, gathering the data, proving the narrative, going out with a proof of concept, a, a pilot on, on how we could do this, and then putting that all together to really affect change within our legislation and how TRICARE could be expanded. So we looked at this and, you know, it, it really made sense for us to, uh, within our own community, understand male reproductive health and to be really innovative in saying, this is the area that we need to study and we have the perfect community to study this in. Obviously, special warfare that gave us the majority of the active duty being male. And in doing so, what we began to do was our research and homework about uh, fertility preservation. And Ellen and I both had experience with our partners in cryopreservation in order to be able to plan our families uh, as well as utilize assisted reproductive technology and to also um, do something really important, which is timing and to be, have the ability to do it when our partners weren't with us. So when we analyzed uh, the fact that the tempo of deployment was so high within our own community, um, that that in and of itself, regardless of, of what facets of operational uh, stressors could be impacting fertility, but just separation was a strong enough argument to look at the benefits of fertility preservation. We then, um, you know, began researching, you know, how could we stand up a pilot that would offer members of our community support in the now, in the moment, but would also capture the two things we need, which is narrative. So, um, being able to, to listen and truly understand someone's hardship is a, a really powerful part of, of the information we're collecting uh, for change. And then data, and, and the data is pretty simple. It's not, it's not digging into someone's you know, personal um, health analysis, but, but really asking questions like, did this resource support your mission focus? Did this support relationship building? Did this support your readiness? And, and that was really our focus was, again, to, to take these programs and make sure they were forward facing with, you know, family building resources are um, support for war fighting in the way of readiness, retention, and the economics. So, um, we, we felt like the cryopreservation program uh, was the best place to start, and it was uh, really discovering Legacy's platform that allowed us to say, okay, here's a really smart platform. It's all digital. It, is, um, it has the ability to get through our operational security requirements, and it can be delivered to any member of Naval Special Warfare. We, we wanted to make sure we had something that could scale. And so it was through um, our research that we were able to identify uh, legacy. And then, of course, legacy had the uh, very um, was very mindful about um, where their demographic was going. And they uh, created a, a, a military affairs director. And that put us into uh, working with John Crowley. So we found that connection and have since then stood up a cryopreservation program within Naval Special Warfare that uh, provides uh, any member of the community, SEAL, SWIC, and EOD, as well as support personnel with access to um, fertility preservation, both for their own, with their own agency and, um, you know, totally secure. So, that's how we got to this process. It's probably a great segue over to uh, John to speak a little bit more about um, 
what they are bringing to the special warfare community. Yes, excellent. Thank you, Katie. And John, if you could also kind of explain what cryopreservation is, I mean, I'm sure people can get an idea from the name, but since we are here to educate, educate, provide a little bit more information on how that works and how it can help with fertility. Sure. And, and maybe just to zoom out even further to provide some context on, on, on legacy itself, our mission is to humanize the path to parenthood. And cryo is a key piece of that. And so we offer sperm analysis, DNA fragmentation, and sperm freezing um, in an easy and accessible manner through people's mail and through their homes. And so we answer the question around how to access these services, as Katie and Ellen highlighted um, numerous pain points around getting your fertility tested. But importantly, cryo is a key piece of this because we know that sperm counts are declining. We know that couples struggle with infertility and legacy's broader mission is to actually rebalance the fertility conversation and enable men to take accountability for their reproductive health in the same way that women have been so mindful for many, many years, decades now with, um, with egg freezing, uh, being the most notable example of a technology that's being utilized. And so legacy is the, the counter to that. We offer a, a kit delivered to the comfort and privacy and discretion of someone's home. They produce a deposit on their own time. It's a much better experience than going, in, going to a clinic. It's shipped overnight to a facility through uh, FedEx and then an analyzed. If things are looking good, we can actually offer our clients the ability to lock in and preserve their fertility with cryopreservation. And so then the sample is then stored for as long as the client needs for family planning purposes, for peace of mind. And really, I look at it for the military community, especially as almost a genetic insurance policy. God forbid something happens downrange um, or even in training. As we know, Naval Special Warfare has extremely dangerous training and, and really all of special operations has dangerous training. And so this is a great way to hedge against any risk that you may come across within the special ops community over the course of a workup or combat deployment. Time for a quick break to learn about a brand new Global Soft Foundation patron partner, CAE USA. CAE is at the leading edge of digital innovation, providing solutions to make the world a safer place. Their training and operational support solutions empower customers who operate in complex, high stakes environments where mission readiness and successful outcomes are critical. You can learn more about them at www.cae.com. At CAE.com. Let's get back to the show. And something I'd add, Chelsea, with our cryo program, you know, so fertility preservation has been a, a thought, you know, for a very long time, um, but it just has not been able to be supported and as John uh, referenced or funded. And so our opportunity within Naval Special Warfare was to detach it from the language that we were seeing most typically as, as being put in front of uh, Congress or legislation. Uh, so we wanted to detach it from a deployment. We wanted to you know, basically make it available um, to any member in the community at any time with really the goal um, to, uh, to be providing it with a lot of ease to uh, uh, service members who are just taking their oath of service at the very beginning of their military career, 
Um, what's so useful about that is a they they're looking at their own biology as having kind of that best lens for um, perhaps an optimum sample. Um, given that you know we're looking at pretty young guys, you know our, our the class that we just did the average age was twenty four. Um, then the the preservation itself has a bonus um, in that if they do need it during their family building years, they've got it. And at the time of exit from service, they now have something that um, military members from our generation never had, which is a record of their fertility coming into service. And our belief is that makes it a lot easier to prove a causal connection to infertility. And that's been one of the greatest challenges that the special warfare member has in saying, you know, I believe that somehow through service, you know, we're having problems and I think it's connected to that. Well, you know, you actually have to be able to prove it in order to get access to care or coverage through the VA and or or also for that to impact your um, your disability rating. So this this process allows the military member to actually have proof. Why do you think it is so important to tackle this issue in the special ops community first? And how do you think that could help then spread um, to the the um, conventional force? Uh, Katie and Ellen, I know you've spoken about that a little. John, can you speak to why Legacy is looking at the special ops community as such an important place to, to start? Absolutely. Um, throughout the history of special operations, it's always been a place where innovation happens. Um, it's our nation's best war fighters. Um, it, they're the, the most highly trained, best resourced, well-equipped, smartest, sharpest individuals who serve in these units. And that long history actually sets an excellent precedent for this type of innovation that we're doing. And, and Naval Special Warfare in particular with the support of, of Katie and Ellen's work through Military Family Building Coalition has been eager to take on this work. And so the thought is, if we can establish a program that works, that adds value for the service members and the warfighters within one community, it should be able to be replicated throughout SOCOM. So ideally, we'd like to be working with the Green Berets, the Army Rangers, uh, MARSOC, Air Force Power Rescue. And once we have established effectively a beachhead within SOCOM saying that, yes, this does add value for our nation's most elite warfighters who have the most dangerous mission sets, the highest op tempo. I think the conventional force would then be willing to have that conversation and say, okay, how can we scale this across a force that maybe isn't as um, under tight op tempo conditions, maybe isn't deploying as much. There's just less of an urgency there. And I think if we can prove it out and innovate within SOCOM, uh, that's the natural first step to establishing a long-term program for the Department of Defense as a whole. Thank you. So you've already spoken about a lot of big accomplishments from both your organizations. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about some of your, your biggest accomplishments to date? You know, we are so excited to finally have what we're kind of calling the smoking gun data, thanks to this survey data from Blue Star Families Annual Military Life, Family Lifestyle Survey. It's, you know, the fact that 67% of military families were reporting that family building was indeed a challenge and that 49% of active duty families connected to SOCOM were reporting that the military created family building challenges. That is the level of problem that we believed existed, but that we really couldn't 
put our exact finger on. This is not a widely studied issue. And the perception, even among those organizations that do support military families, is that military families have no problem having children. Actually, there's tons of children and there's tons of children's programs. And we've always noticed there are tons of children's programs and there are tons of spouse employment programs and there are great programs for, for both spouses themselves as individuals and for people who do have children. There was just always this hole and, and lack of support and quite honestly, a lack of interest in support and, and a belief that there wasn't a problem. So we think this data really shines a bright light on what we believed was there and that the and that it shows that the families who are not coming to the family events and the spouses who are maybe not super involved are, are probably part of these 49 percent that are struggling and that are not being seen and that are not being heard because they're the ones that are shying away from putting themselves out there in many ways infertility is still a bit of a scarlet letter and and having to to showcase that you're struggling with this very basic thing that other people do so easily is something that people aren't comfortable talking about and we think that that's really part of our challenge, but our, our opportunity too. So the data that we now have um, is incredibly powerful because it will really take us forward in, in proving that this is a problem and we are ready, right, and, 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 and able to, to get solutions um, on the table. You know, I would add also, Ellen, that's uh, kind of, you know, it's, it's really important to emphasize, you know, how validating it is as a pretty lean nonprofit to actually um, you know, have our assumptions be validated and, and to see it at the scale that we're seeing it with this, um, with the, the recent survey results. But I, I would add to just, you know, where, where does it feel really good? I, I would say it, it felt great to get um, our founding funders, uh, the SEAL Family Foundation. You know, we, Ellen and I have been operating really out of our own back pockets where we were primarily unfunded. Um, we had the audacity to go out into the billion dollar fertility marketplace and ask the right donor to give an unbelievable gift uh, legacy and they have, but in order for a gift to be accepted through the military, you have to be bringing it through a nonprofit vehicle. So we are the vehicle that offers the gift, that manages the gift, that distributes it, that also, you know, doesn't, you know, we're not only giving the gift of cryo to the Naval Special Warfare member, but we're also providing all the support for mental wellness and coaching and mentorship with the spouse. So to have our founding funders step up to the plate and say, we're on board, this is really important. It hasn't been looked at um, with this kind of critical thinking and strategic thinking. You guys have built a model that we want to you know, stand behind and that the innovation that you're using is smart. You know, this is actually how you're going to move the needle. That felt great. Um, and I know Ellen would agree because it's the hardest thing about being a nonprofit is, is continuing to keep the lights on, wanting to bring services and resources to the community you're serving. Um, but it's incredibly validating when someone says the work you're you're doing you're doing is important and um, it matters. John, I can imagine that this has, this partnership has been one of your big accomplishments. Uh, did you have any others you wanted to highlight from Legacy? Yeah, I would say I would say two things actually. Number one, what makes this so exciting and the work we're doing in the military space is the ability to destigmatize the fertility conversation within households but especially the topic of male fertility. And so legacy, you know, our military business is a small but really important component of our, of our larger mission. 
And if we can point to the military and, and tell our civilian clients who may be unsure about moving forward with this type of fertility service, um, and we can tell them the military, this is something the military does, that, that kind of changes the conversation. And so it's, it's really just an excellent way to advance the larger narrative across society at large. And so that's really, really exciting. I think really important also uh, in, in terms of our mission. The second thing I would say is, um, thanks to the support of our, our founder and CEO, Khalid Kateli, um, this is something he's embraced since day one, uh, because we just, at Legacy, we believe this is the right thing to do, to offer this type of programming for the military. Uh, it's long overdue. Um, one thing we say all the time at, at Legacy is that service and sacrifice should be honored, not an obstacle to starting a family. And I think our work every day is getting us closer and closer to knocking down those obstacles and enabling family building wherever these military families may live and work. Thank you. So what are some of the biggest challenges you all are still facing? You know, like I said, it is still a challenge that people don't think this is really a problem. You know, it's it's funny that there's like the, the, the kind of jokes that the, that the military, if the military wanted you to have children, they would issue them or, you know, that, that there's everywhere you go, it's, it's swimming and young kids. And yeah, I mean, that, the reality is the military is made up of people of childbearing years. So the idea that you are seeing people have babies is of course, totally normal. But again, that the fact that you're seeing, uh, you're seeing that, but sort of, of course, not seeing the challenges that are existing behind the scenes or the fact that, you know, there, there are subtle issues that affect military families in terms of family building. And certainly in our community, uh, there's there's this, you know, the technical term is called fecundity, but how closely spaced your children are and, and, and when you actually have them. That's a huge issue. You know, people th maybe thought they wanted kids to be this far apart, but because of deployment schedules or whatever, they, they can't, they have to have them differently. And so I think there's there's, you know, it's it's that's that's a huge challenge is getting people to understand that it is a challenge. I think the next barrier is that there are a lot of misconceptions about what the solutions are. And we believe that, you know, the the Congre Congress doesn't have to fully pivot and offer some massively expensive totally new platform of healthcare, there are subtle changes that can be made um, that, that will really, really, really help a lot of military families. Right now, the definition of infertility to get an infertility diagnosis is, is kind of funny if you're in our community, but it is that you have to show or prove or say that you are having consecutive 12 months of regularly timed intercourse with your partner and not getting pregnant. Please find me the family in our community who ever had 12 consecutive months on the right day where they could have intercourse. And of course, that entirely leaves out any partners who who, who want to have children alone or have a same sex partners. But I mean, we're talking about in, in our community, the, the, the families and the, and the partners I know, the spouses I know are definitely not able to prove that. So if anyone's getting a diagnosis, they might be slipping it under the table um, to get that diagnosis. So we think that's a, a really simple thing that, that needs to be changed. And that's a major challenge and barrier to getting um, information and, and, and support for this problem. And, and again, I think, you know, this has been a whole 
there's a lot of programs for spouses and they're and, and amazing programs. So there's amazing programs for kids and there's this hole here. And so, you know, TRICARE is actually excellent healthcare. There's just a hole. The support for the special operations community is excellent. There's just a hole. So again, this is not us saying, oh, poor us military spouses. This is saying, here's something that no one has, has, has looked at. And when the military has been faced with these challenges in the past that have been overlooked, the military has actually led the general population. And that's something we'd like to see happen again. Yeah, and I would lean in and say, you know, there's these two other areas that, you know, are very much related to um, our platform would be mental wellness and the financial well-being of the military member. So Ellen and I, in, in the way that we kind of deliver our resources, one, you know, we're obviously looking to, you know, allow the military member to find and navigate um, their their care and, and as much coverage as they can. But at the end of the day, they're going to pay out of pocket. And the financial stressors that uh, the military member takes on to pay for uh, family building uh, is uh, absolutely outstanding. So just to give you and, and your audience a sense, um, you know, the 2021 numbers on um, domestic adoption uh, to adopt a newborn in the United States is about $43,000. And it's about an 18 month to two year wait list uh, to go through what is really the you know, baseline standard for IVF. And it's, it's why other companies include it in their insurance or you know, the package they include is three rounds of IVF. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, Forty-eight to fifty-six thousand dollars. So, that is not the kind of money that the military member has access to without leveraging debt. So we know that there's issues with that. And when you get into the marketplace of paying out of pocket um, for your care, no, you're not walking in. The military member is not walking into any fertility clinic, and someone is saying to them, "I guarantee you a baby. It's only going to cost you this." It is you. You pay as you go and and that the stakes just get keep getting higher and higher. So that's a terrific uh, financial stressor to our community. And then the other piece is mental wellness. You know, Ellen and I spent a really long time trying to get folks to connect the dots. If you are taking surveys of our community and seeing that 93% of the active duty warrior says that their their family and relationship um, component of their life is their greatest stressor. Hey, I'd, I'd drill down on that. I'd be real curious. What, what is in that stressor? Because that's family and relationship. And, and is family building part of that? My guess is it, it has a very good chance if 49% of SOF are reporting that you know they felt that their family building was absolutely challenged by the operational nature of military service. So you know we we find that working closely with our, our military family life counselors, that it's a huge part. Mental wellness is a huge part of this struggle. It puts a terrific amount of stressors on relationships and obviously then, you know, the warrior's ability to, to stay mission focused. So, so really, uh, you know, it's convincing and, and continuing to kind of beat the drum on, hey, this isn't just about something that's as important as, uh, becoming a parent, it, it affects all these other facets that we should care about when it comes to our our military member. Yeah, I, th- I think Katie and Ellen really nailed it there. I would just I would I would just echo their their sentiments in saying our our biggest challenges or opportunities is as Ellen mentioned working with Congress, 
to advance this conversation on the DOD side, but also on the VA side, as, as Katie mentioned earlier, in terms of potentially unlocking fertil- uh, service-related disability benefits, long-term, long-term vision further on down the road. I think that's a really important unlock for our families and for our veterans. And so just really welcome the opportunity to continue to engage with government and, and, and really leveraging key players in our, in our corner, like Dr. David Shulkin, who's on Legacy's Board of Advisors. We're very lucky to have his support to advance these really important conversations within, uh, within Congress, but also within the Department of Veterans Affairs and the DOD. So for the average listener or a member of the community, how would you recommend they could go about helping with this issue? Anyone who's listening who has experienced a family building challenge or is experiencing a family building challenge, we welcome them to come to our site, uh, militaryfamilybuilding.org. If you're a member of Naval Special Warfare, there is a program for you to uh, preserve your sperm for free, uh, the Tadpole Project. So we would love for you to join that or tell anyone that you know to join that because it is a pretty amazing resource and it's available to anyone in NSW. Uh, we are also really excited to expand beyond Naval Special Warfare. And we the way um, that we can expand is through support from a benevolent organization um, to help us cover our organizational costs uh, as, as we you know navigate a new branch of the military. The SEAL Family Foundation has been exceptionally uh, supportive of us in expanding the program into NSW. And we're looking for a similar organization to help us grow this program into Army, MARSOC, um, and, and Air Force Special Operations communities. Because we do think that if we get this kind of at the tip of the spear across all global or all, all, all of the, the soft uh, you know, communities, it really is a pretty compelling push to, to say that this is something that our military deserves and that, you know, almost like your move, Congress, the, these two military spouses were able to do it. Okay, your move. And so so we, we, we would love to, to find some creative, um, you know, partners who want to see that grow across the special operations community. That's awesome. John, how about you? Is there any way that people can get involved with Legacy? Yeah, beyond engagement with our partners, MFBC, uh, especially for members of Naval Special Warfare to participate in the Tadpole Project, I would say anyone who falls outside of that, feel free to get in touch with our client success team. We have a wonderful client success team that's available 24-7, ready to engage with military members, with veterans. We do offer a generous discount. Um, I'm also available at john at givelegacy.com for those looking to continue the conversation. I'd love to hear from you. The The more military families and veteran families we have talking about this, the better off I think we'll all be. In, in making progress here. And so the easiest way uh, without even opening up your wallet to, to assist is actually just having this conversation with, with loved ones, people in your family, uh, people in, in your communities, people on your teams, and, um, and continuing to destigmatize these issues. Yeah, I guess, you know, the last thing I would say too is this really is, you know, something that the American public probably finds a little ridiculous. And that, you know, we, we, uh, my feeling as a military spouse is, wow, what an incredibly supportive country to 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 serve um, for, you know, for my husband to serve because we we cannot. I mean, people are wearing American flag pins. They're they're support. I mean, my gosh, when people find out that we're part of the Naval Special Warfare community, most people are incredibly interested, supportive and, and want to make sure that we're doing the best by our military members. And, and our whole point is we believe that once people hear this is not covered 
and that military families are struggling with this basic thing, which is having children, they'll be pretty outraged to want to call their congresspeople and say, what gives? What, why aren't we covering this? So that's something everyone could do. And that is a very purple ask. Can we support our military families to have children? Couldn't agree more. Well, very well said, everyone. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing for the community. We really appreciate you and are going to do what we can to get you the support that you need. All Thanks, right. Chelsea. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Thank you, All Chelsea. Right. Soft Spot is the podcast of the Global Soft Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit based in Tampa, Florida, and the only professional association for the international special operations community. It's produced, edited, and hosted by me, Chelsea Hamishan. If you liked what you heard, subscribe and give us a five-star review. To learn more about the Global Soft Foundation, visit us online at gsoft.org. That's gulfsierraoctoberfoxtrot.org.